So I'd like to welcome everybody. <laughs> New friends, old friends. <laughs> you're all you're all welcome. And, um, For the people that are new, I should explain a little bit of what we've just done, because uh, I really believe in a path of intelligent understanding. You, you shouldn't do something just because someone says something. <laughs> you should have a reason. And there should be a, your creative intelligence behind it. So um, this chanting of Om is... It's like vibrational healing. You know, every, every sound that, that you make um, has an effect in the world and has an effect on you. So if I was to take a cymbal and start crashing it, most of you would probably start to hold your ears. So that's, a sound has an effect. It would be a, a bit of a, a discordant effect. <clears throat> the rishis of the past all acclaim that that sound of OM has a, a profoundly harmonizing effect. It unifies the, the, the body systems with the emotional systems, with your intellectual systems, with your higher spiritual faculties. It, it's the unifier. It's the creative unifier. That's why throughout Asia you'll hear OM chanted. And as, as you went through history, uh, that sound, Om, went from Om to I mean to Amen. Finally, when it got to the English language, it became Amen. But it started out Om. <laughs> so, you know. So, by, by, uh, by chanting Om, you're harmonically harmonizing yourself and in that harmony uh, one acquires peace and in that peace one acquires clarity see so one thing leads to another and in that clarity comes right action see if you read the newspapers you, you can see there's a lot of discordant action <laughs> why no clarity <laughs> You know, without, without clarity, there's profound error. Hence, our newspapers <laughs> full of problems. So, you know, by this, uh, by this constant chanting of Om, which is the root mantra, it's, it's the seed of all, there's millions and millions of mantras, but Om is the seed. It, it's, it's the the primordial root of all the other mantras. And uh, the, the other mantras are like rays of the Om. You know, they're, they're, they're part manifestation or, or, or facilities that lie within Om. So if you say a particular mantra, it, it, it generates a particular energy of which Om is the root. <laughs> See? So that Om splinters off into a million different mantras or a million different energies of God. And it's, it's just like um, you can think of it as a prism. So you have a prism and then you shine light through it. It uh, 
diffracts into multiple lights in the spectrum. Ohm is like the sort of the root, and then all the other mantras come out of it, manifest out of it. So, and oh, by the way, at any time you could ask questions. You know, this is not a one-way thing. You know, this is not like a per se lecture. Um, if you have a question at any time, just let's raise your hand so I can, you know, we, we, can, we can address it. Um, and then um, with this, uh, this practice of OM, OM actually naturally leads into, in, into the process of meditation. Um, in the, what's happening in, 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 in meditation is, again, you're, you're trying to come to a place of, of, of harmony, peace, and clarity. What will happen, whether you're practicing OM or, or let's say, a two-syllable mantra like Soham or something like that, what will happen is, over time, you'll acquire greater and greater concentration. You know, also, you're learning that by practicing mantra practice, OM or all the various mantras, you're learning how to be simple, which in our, in our world, most of our life is complex. Our body is complex, our emotions are complex, our thoughts are complex, you know, our activities in the world is complex. So most of the time, we're, we're exercising unconscious complexity. Nature itself uh, imposes upon you some level of simplicity when it forces you to go to sleep. <laughs> but even in your sleep, you, you attempt to practice complexity via your dreams. And then nature imposes deep, deep, deep sleep where there's no dream state. So it, it, what that's trying to do is, is bring you back into balance. You know, we're activity, 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 no rest. <laughs> so nature is, is, is trying to impose a balance. Now, when you practice mantra and when you practice meditation, you're consciously attempting to create balance. You're doing it consciously now. Na nature's not imposing it upon you. Nature is imposing upon you for your health, for your well-being, you know, so that you have rest. So, with with meditation, you're sort of um, taking authorship of your own life and saying, "I choose to be in balance." Yes, I have to be, you know, engaged in the world and in, engaged in complexity, but I also, for the sake of balance. And, and psychic health, I also have to uh, engage in some kind of simplicity, some kind of profound peace. Like, you have to think about it. We're, we seek, we're seeking peace uh, unconsciously when we take a nature walk, or we take a walk by the beach, or take a walk in the forest. Why do you come back feeling refreshed? See, you're, you're, you're unconsciously seeking harmony. You're unconsciously seeking uh, an inner peace, see? 
when you when you practice meditation, you're you're sort of amping that up to uh, to its highest level of of the deepest peace possible. See, when when we take a walk on the beach or take a walk in a forest, that's a relative peace, a positive relative peace. But within us, there is actually a, a more profound peace. I'm sorry, your name? Vonda. Vonda, oh, okay. I can barely see your face because of the light. Oh. Welcome. Yeah. You, you're, you're consciously um, practicing... Uh, uh, the path to ultimate peace, see, ultimate personal harmony, which leads to ultimate clarity, and in, and in that and in that process, um, you know, we're used to having certain physical facilities, uh, certain emotional facilities, certain intellectual facilities, but there's a whole higher level of facilities also. Uh, that are spiritual facilities, and uh, those become uh, more engaged or come online when you can have a greater sense of inner internal peace. When there's a, a stability, once once you reach a certain level of stability, there's a whole other level of psychic uh, spiritual faculty that opens up to you. But they, it doesn't open up if you're like all over the map and you know. Uh, emotionally and, and, and psychologically unstable. So if you read, you know, the various scriptures and, 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 and Bibles of all the different world religions, you'll, you'll see that there's all kinds of mystic and higher psychic facilities that, uh, that the saints and sages of the various religions have. And it's not just a religion. All the religions, you know, have profound mysticism. How did that happen? You know, the, the average villager is not having those experiences, but the saints and sages and rishis of uh, all the various religions and, and, and cultures are having those experiences. So you start to analyze their life. All of them have one way or another learned how to enter into profound silence. Profound silence. And in that silence, they rise up, rise up beyond physical activity, beyond emotional activity, beyond intellectual activity, to a whole realm of spiritual activity. So this whole science of, of yoga is, is to uh, give you a glimpse of that in the beginning, and then later on, some stability in that. Because a lot of times, just as a sort of a, just a functional human being, we hear about saints, and it's like, maybe yes, maybe no, or it sounds sort of woo-woo, you know. You have, a, you have a reasonable doubt, you know. I think it's perfectly reasonable. Or you hear about mysticism, and you'd like to believe it, but there's sort of a reasonable doubt again. Um, the, the beauty of yoga is, is it's, it's, it, it is a science whereby you can create a stable platform in the physical, a stable platform in the emotional, a stable platform in your intellectual, and then from that 
take a leap to the to the next realm of of your 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 capacity. Do you think that you're at the end of your evolution right now? Do you think that this is all that's possible of the of the human condition now? Of of course not. Of of course not. We can just open the door and squeeze in. Uh, this is a a great yogi. Uh, Sadhu Nick Warren is coming coming through the door. Uh, Ram Krishna, Ram Krishna. I'll get this for you. Yeah. So that's a Rama, Rama, Rama. So we all acknowledge that uh, we're not the we're not the end of our evolution. We're still in the evolutionary process, which which means we're still opening up to our capacity. See? So if we're still opening up to our capacity. It's, it's of a, a value for us to say who has been open to their full capacity. And that leads you beyond the, the philosophers. It leads you beyond the doctors. It leads you beyond the social intellectuals. It leads you beyond the humanitarians. It leads you into the, the realm of the saints the rishis and the masters. You know, the, the, those are the ones who are who are, who are demonstrating a, a fuller body of human capacity. See, so whether it's a Buddha or a Jesus or a Christ or the plethora of saints in all the different traditions, you, you see a much, 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 much greater capacity. Within, so the, the the yogas, these are all yogis. Uh, the word yoga comes from the Sanskrit word yog, which means to bind or to join. And and what it's referring to is to is to bind or join the finite to the infinite. You know, the limited to the limitless. <laughs> See, so that it, there there is a science. There there is a is from from partial capacity to full capacity. <laughs> right now we're all partial capacity, but there is a supra condition uh, of of full capacity. So yoga is 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 is, is binding that. In, in America, we think oh hatha yoga. When we, when we use the word yoga, a lot of times. People foolishly think of just hatha yoga. You know, hatha yoga was is, is simply a, a a physical science that allowed you to have profound health and profound physical stability. That allowed you to acquire greater emotional facility, which allowed you to acquire greater psychological facility, which allowed you to have the capacity to do higher practices in yoga. <laughs> See, it, it's 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 just a a, 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 an elementary training. It, it's not the highest yoga. It, it's 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 elementary yoga. You know, if if you're if you're uh, 
suffering with a profound toothache or a profound backache, well, how much emotional peace are you going to have? You know, how much psychological peace are you going to have? You know, how much humanitarian service can you do in the world if, you're, if you have profound pain in your body? So the Hatha was just to get all of that stuff out of the way so that you're fit and able to go on in your evolutionary search. See? But if you're physically suffering, you're, you're, you're handicapped. You're profoundly handicapped. So it was just a means of, of, of opening your, the, the door so that you could more actively um, you know, charge into your own personal evolution. See? So you have to understand it. So there's many, many yogas. Um, all the yogas are all trying to move you towards harmony and clarity. All of them are. And, and there's many, many methods. T today, one of the things that um, I wanted to just uh, bring to your attention uh, and try to make the idea of God more real, because, you know, a lot of times when we, 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 we use the word God, it's like, what the heck are you talking about? You know, it's, it's like, what are you talking about? You know, we have this idea of it's some guy with a white beard sitting on a cloud, or, you know, we get all these kind of crazy ideas. We, we don't know what the heck we're talking about when we use the word God. So, my, and, and, and I, the way we put this out, you know, is the statement that I think about God daily. That's me personally. I, th I do think about God daily. But the, the, we have to really analyze this whole idea of God. And, and what's really important is that you make the notion of God personal. It has to be personal. Otherwise, what's the point? If it's not personal, you're not really interested. It's just something over there. It becomes an other as opposed to an intimate. So that, that dialogue, I really thought would be very valuable to have with you, especially as I see so many new faces in the room today. You, uh, there's many doors uh, into sort of intimacy with God. That, that's, that's what I actually want you to start to acquire an understanding of, of intimacy with God. That there definitely is a reality that we quote, quote, call God. It's not the only word, but there's a, there, there is a conscious reality out there that that's, uh, uh, is beneficent and, and is, is, is deeply interested in, in your full evolution and your, your full success your full humanity, but uh, how do you have intimacy with, with that? You know, how can you start to define that in a personal way that, that actually makes sense to you? Because if it doesn't make sense to you, what's the point? <laughs> you know, it, it just becomes more of the other. <laughs> so my feeling is that, you know, whatever you deeply love in life, you know, whether it's nature or humanity or animals or music, 
that really should be your door to God. That, that's, your, that's your first door to God. You know, let's use an easy example. Um, so if, if you love nature, like I know Victor is out there hiking and doing all kinds of you know, nature stuff all the time, you have to say, okay, I'm sitting up on this rock looking out you know, over this beautiful vista and then start to deeply think about it in a philosophical way. If you look at nature, you know, with deep insight, you, you realize there is an organized intelligence in front of you. It, it is not random chaos. You know, the, the, if you look at the whole field of ecology, you realize, holy mackerel, everything that's manifesting in front of you is manifesting intelligently. <laughs> It, it's it, it, nature is not just stumbling through existence. The, 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 the trees and the root system and the earth all have these relationships going on, these very creative, dynamic relationships. It, it's not. It's not chaos. So we we have to say, wow. There's this unimaginable, heightened creative intelligence working through nature. Start there. That's God. That's God. Right, right there. When you start to realize this is not random, that there's a creative intelligence that's bringing this forest together and, and bringing the, all the creatures of the earth, whether it's, you know, microbial or mammal, that the, they're all in this type of cosmic symbiotic relationship it, it's it's not stupid nature it's creative intelligent nature see start there start there to to say okay not take the leap of it's not only creative and intelligent i feel that it's sacred i feel that it's sacred see so so just start Saying, thinking to yourself, this, is must, this must be an expression of the sacred. Look at the scale of it. You know, look at the complexity of it. Look at the simplicity of it. You know, look at how it, how it makes me feel. Say, okay, this is sacred. There was a, a fellow also that I thought about uh, last night, Vakas, who's a tabla player. And I said, wow, you know, you know, drum player. So drum players are, 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 are interested in pattern and rhythm. And every pattern or rhythm has an effect. Has a, has a creative intelligence of its own. So if you just stop and, and look at life, isn't life full of rhythm and full of pattern? Really stop and think about it. You know, from looking outside to looking what you wear, isn't, isn't there a pattern and rhythm? You know, don't you have a, a, a persistent rhythm with your breath and your heartbeat? Can you understand how fundamental that is to you? So that, okay, there's a, there's a pattern and a rhythm in my heart. 
And then if I open my eyes and look into the world, it's full of pattern and rhythm. Do you think that that's dumb? Do you think that your, your heartbeat is unintelligent? <laughs> the very thing that's keeping you alive? See? Isn't there an inherent intelligence in your heartbeat? And in that pattern, in that rhythm? That's sacred. That pattern and that rhythm is allowing your infinite creativity to unfold. It's allowing your beingness of awareness to unfold. Think about it. <laughs> you know, I think that's sacred. That which allows you to have all of your potentiality. The moment you stop that heart, where's your potentiality? <laughs> See? We, we have to stop and think about it. So, we can think of pattern and rhythm as sacred. It, the, you just haven't thought about it before. That, that's, the yogis are trying to, to uh, put things on your table so that you can start the conscious approach to God. You know, when you can say the word sacred and the word God is synonymous. They're, they're the same thing. You know, you can, you can just say God is ultimate sacred. <laughs> you know? But all of all of all those things that are sacred is an expression of God. See, so you you start to, when you start to think like this, you you start to realize or to consider yourself living within the body of God, or you start to think of yourself as living within the body of sacred. If you start thinking that you're living within the body of the sacred, it's hard to have depression issues. You know, when you actually, when you're deeply depressed, it means you're, you're devoid from your fundamental nature. There's a, there's a chasm there. You're, you're devoid of it. You're, you're, you're deeply, deeply forgetful of, of your sacred self. And that's how you can fall into depression. So all of these yoga practices are bringing us into, into conscious sanctity, see? conscious awareness that, that we're living in an intelligent, creative, sacred universe. See? It's creative, it's intelligent, and it's sacred. See? And an another way that you can think of the word sacred as whole, completely whole. Why is everybody in this room and everybody in the world seeking? The only reason you're seeking anything is because you don't feel completion. <laughs> if you felt perfect completion, what would you seek? See? We're, we're all seeking. Every being on the planet is seeking. Ask why. Why? Because we're still, we, we are still experiencing part. And intuitive, intuitively, we know there's a whole. We're all part. We're all part expression. But intuitively, every one of us knows there's a whole. And that's why every one of us are seeking. 
you know, you seek by the food you put in your mouth, the clothes you put on your, your body, the people you associate with, where you go. You understand every moment of the day you're seeking. Every moment of the day, one way or the other, you're seeking. You're, you're seeking wholeness. The love of your mother, your love of your friends, the love of your, your significant other. Aren't you seeking wholeness? See? Even the food you put in your mouth. You know, for a moment, ah, that was great. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so, so yeah, you have to understand, we're always considering ourselves part while we have that divine angst of knowing there's a whole. That's why we seek. Every, every, mean, every, aspect of your creativity, whether it's music or art or theater or dance, you know, isn't that seeking wholeness? When, when you sit and listen to a, a piece of beautiful music, aren't you seeking wholeness? Or aren't you seeking a greater expression? You know, through art and music and dance and theater and all, sculpture and all these wonderful things. So we have to have that kind of a, a assessment that there's part and that intuitively we, we, we know there's a whole and, and that all of life is intelligent, is creative. And if you use the word true wholeness and sacred, they're the same. They're the same. Again, these are, these are words that we should put together. True wholeness, meaning true completion, is sacred. That's why they say God is one, <laughs> you know, one, one reality. And right now we're, we're struggling as partial expressions, but intuitively we know there's one full expression. That's why we say, oh, there is a perfect love. I haven't found it yet, but I know it's out there. <laughs> you know, we all have that intuitive understanding. There, there, there is a perfect beatitude. There is a perfect love. And, and all of us, one way or the other, are creatively struggling to experience that. that that's the whole, whole journey of our life, is to, to experience a perfect beatitude, a perfect love, a perfect peace, a perfect wholeness. We, from birth to when we leave this body, we're all seeking that. We're all seeking that. Even in your sexuality, aren't you seeking some type of completion? You absolutely are. You absolutely are. So, again, it's a sacred search. See? And that sacred search, and just another way of saying it, is the search for God. The problem with the word God is culturally and religiously, so much baloney has been put on the word <laughs> that it's a bit of a turnoff. You know, there's just been so, so many uh, historical uh, abominable practices attached to the word God, you know, that you just sort of get fed up with it and say, I don't want anything to do with that. You know, how many wars, you know, have gone on with the word God preceding it? You know, it's, you know, it's like, I don't want anything to do with that. That's, you know, a bunch of rubbish or how much oppression has, has existed with the word God preceding it. See, the, those are bastardizations. Those aren't 
you know, balanced, correct, you know, perceptions. But you have people with all kinds of robes and all kinds of authority, you know, projecting the word God in a very twisted way. See? The, the yogi doesn't want to impose a per se vision of God on you. What the yogi wants is for you to use your full facilities to have an authentic experience of God. See? Your personal, intimate, authentic experience of God. Not what we all say and write books about and talk about and philosophize about. Your personal experience that cannot be challenged. And the example I use all the time for having personal direct conviction, if an elephant steps on my foot, can anybody tell me it didn't step on my foot? 10,000 people can say it didn't step on my foot. I know the elephant stepped on my foot. <laughs> you know, even though 10,000 people said that's not possible, it didn't, so, it didn't happen. I'm sorry, it stepped on my foot, I know. And that's the kind of authentic experience that the yogi wants you to have with God, where the whole world can say, hey, that didn't happen, that's just a myth. You know if the elephant stepped on your foot. <laughs> you know, no matter how many people say, I didn't see it, didn't happen. See, that, that elephant stepping on your foot was personal, direct, and intimate. <laughs> you know, there's like no doubt about it. <laughs> so... All of these different uh, mystic practices is so that you can have a personal, authentic experience, see, that cannot be challenged. See, it's an un... That's why the, the saints, they have such conviction, you know, or the, the great masters have perfect conviction and perfect faith. Why? Because they've had direct personal, intimate experience with the sacred ultimate. You know, the Parabrahma, the, the full reality. See? The, the, you, you, can't, you can't say, no, 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 Jesus, it didn't really happen. You know? Your father in heaven is not so. You know? Or saying to Buddha, oh, the reality is not so. You, you just have some philosophy. No. They, they had perfect conviction based on direct, perfect intimate experience. See? You couldn't dissuade them. You, you couldn't say to Krishna, I don't think so, this God thing. I don't think so. You couldn't say that to Jesus. You couldn't say that to Buddha. You couldn't say that to any of the great, you know, expressions of reality. They had perfect conviction, perfect faith. But that conviction and that faith was, was based on their personal, intimate experience. They were just telling you what happened to them, not what happened to you, not your reality. They were telling you their personal, intimate experience of reality. See? So all of this, all of this yoga process is, is for you to have your own personal experience. See? And, and then, as you, as you start to have these revelations, and if you look at the scriptures in any of the world, or you, you read the lives of mystics and saints, 
It's all about personal revelation. What does revelation mean? To reveal. Before you didn't see it, now you do see it. <laughs> you know? You're, you're, you're going through this uh, unfolding. With, with each unfolding, there's a revelation. You're, you're seeing something that you didn't see before. Um, years ago, uh, um, a friend of mine uh, uh, was learning to dance, and he had terrible rhythm. <laughs> you know, I mean, really, he, he had like two left feet. And with my friends and family, we grew up dancing and we grew up with music. So, you know, rhythm and dance and movement and theater, all that was like perfectly natural to us. And he was saying, hey, Harry, you know, how do you do this kind of dance? Learning rhythm was a revelation to him because otherwise it didn't exist. You know, I mean, the guy had two left feet. You know, he, he, he had a love of sound and music, but no one ever taught him how to hear rhythm. I mean, he, he, he couldn't hear a beat like four or four times. He couldn't hear it, which was shocking to me. So I had to start saying, okay, start clapping, you know. You know, listen to this music and try to, try to clap on beat. You know, he's like all over the map. You know, and then, you know, okay, on beat one, move your foot, you know. You know, it was really amusing, but it was sweet at the same time to see someone so clueless. But eventually, this guy became a really good dancer. You know, you know, he got into all this ballroom stuff and uh, uh, salsa, and uh, he was doing something, some some other form. I forgot what it is now. Uh, Argentine tango and all this. He actually became a really good dancer. But rhythm and timing was a revelation to him. It really, you know, before he heard, but he didn't hear. You know, he heard sound, but he, he couldn't break the sound apart and hear rhythm. You know, he, he couldn't find the time. He couldn't find the beat, you know. But it was a revelation to him when he discovered, you know, the beat. You know, it's four, four time, three, four time, whatever the time it is, you know. So, and, and can you see how that changed his world? Going from completely unrhythmic and can't hear a beat to becoming a really pretty darn good dancer, a really elegant dancer. I mean, his, that was a revelation. A whole new portion of life, a whole new portion of the world opened up for this guy. So, that's, that's sort of our story in, 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 in our mystical journey where with each revelation comes a whole vista of experience. So he actually could experience rhythm and music and dance and, and something in, in theater. Ram, ram, ram. This is Kishori coming in, who is a young, please sit, my dear. Young college student. Now to show you how old this yogi is, the first time I saw this girl, she came in her arms. <laughs> she is a baby, two months old, and her mother brought her into the ashram. That's the first time I, I laid eyes on this little one, <laughs> who's now a full-blown woman. <laughs> so I guess Harvey's getting a little long on the tooth. 
but here she is, even even through all these years, showing up again at satsang. So welcome, 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 as always. So, you know, m- my thing is that um, I've had a, 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 a really interesting and really exciting journey in, in this life of yoga. Uh, you know, I've met uh, mystics and saints pretty much throughout my entire life. You know, I mean, if, you're, if you meet one saint in a life, consider yourself really lucky. You know, and every now and then you've got a fellow who's got that kind of karma that's met multiple. Uh, my thing is to try to create an opportunity so that you can have the same opportunities that I've had. You know, it's like, in a very simple way, if I have a delicious pizza, don't I want to share it with my friends? Nobody wants to sit down with this magnificent pizza and eat it by themselves. I mean, that doesn't make any sense. You know, pizza's a community event. <laughs> you know? And that, that's really basically how, how I feel. It's like, you know, I've had this, like, unimaginable, wild journey that's taken me around the world and, you know, you know sitting at the feet of masters, being tutored by great souls, my, my Guruji Santi Shavadis is right here, you know, and, and, and having them say, Haricharan, God is real, and I can show you. Like, someone says God is real, you say, what? Okay, okay, you know, you, you're sort of listening, but yeah, you, you know, you're just like, okay, prove it, <laughs> you know. That's like the Missouri farmer, prove it. And then they go about to the process of proving it, which, which means... Your evolution goes from a wow to a wow to a wow, you know, and, and you realize I had no idea all this was going on. You know, it, it, it's, it's like moving, you know, from black and white to color. It's like, holy mackerel. I had no idea all this is going on, that all these dimensions of reality are coexisting. I just didn't open up my facilities to become aware of it and that every every human being has these facilities but no one showed them how to open them up you know how to how to bring them online it's not that they're not there no one showed you how to bring it online nobody showed you how to be quiet you know we're we're always in the process of personal creation every time we look at something we're judging it we're we're making assumptions about it you know, we're projecting on it. So that's our, our, our personal creation every time we open our eyes. What happens when you stop your, your sense of personal creation? What's going on then? See? What happens when you stop your, your projection? When you stop your analysis? What's going on then? See, when you stop your judgment? What's really going on? You, do you think your judgment is perfect? Do you think your perception is perfect? If you put all that on pause and then open your eyes, then what's going on? See? That's what the yogi is, is, is trying to get you to experience. When you put all of your personal projection on pause, you know, because you have every kind of creativity and every kind of bias 
is, is invested in, in, in how you perceive the world. If I take everybody in the room and tell them, look across the street, every one of you is going to perceive what's across the street differently. Every one of you is going to have a different emotional response, an intellectual response, a physical response to what you perceive across the street. There's not one of you that's going to have a perfectly lined up experience of what you're viewing across the street. See, that's all your personal projection. You, you all come out, come to the world with different histories, with different talents, with different weaknesses. All of that affects your projection, your, your, your experience of the world. Now, if we can put all of that on pause, just put it, you don't have to stop it, just put it on pause, with a, a big comma there. Stop for a second and then open your eyes and then say, what's going on? When I'm not projecting all of my history and all of my bias on it, what's really going on? That's yoga. See, that's what we're trying to get you to, to, to realize. That's why I say my experience with my master, Sadhguru Santa Chavez, was going from wow to wow to wow. To, to, and you become more and more humble because you all of a sudden realize, I thought I knew what was going on. And then you realize I didn't have a clue. You know, you, there's just so much stuff going on that is of a, a greater, more expansive, more intelligent, creative, blessed nature that you just didn't have a clue. You, 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 if you have any intelligence, you become humble. You know, b b because there's, there's, there's this ultimate, splendid, unbelievable beatitude that is creatively going on that you didn't have a clue about. <laughs> you just didn't have a clue. So you, you go from wow to wow to wow to bow your head. <laughs> you know? I, I don't know how anyone could not bow their head. You know, it, if you've ever been up in the mountains, or, or uh, like if you go to like mountains of California or the mountains of Nevada or, or Colorado, where there's like no light no ambient light, no street lights, no cars, no nothing, and look up at the sky. There's, there's just the, literally a sea of stars. If you've ever had that experience, you know, you know again, that's like a total wow. Like, I had no idea. Because we live in the city, so there's lights all over the place. And we see the sky, but we don't see the sky as if you were sitting in the middle of the ocean and looking up. Or on the top of a mountain where there's no ambient light around, and you look up... And you, and you go, holy mackerel, you know, the, the, the sky is ablaze with stars. I mean, it, it's just unimaginable. Again, that's a wow. You, you, you just had no idea. It's not that it wasn't there. You just weren't in the situation where you had that perception. This is the yogic process where you create conditions where you can see beyond your projections. See? So when I'm on the top of a mountain in Colorado or something, as opposed to living in, down here in the Bay Area with all the lights going on, I changed the condition. So I, I was allowed to change my perception. <laughs> See? So with yoga, you're changing your internal conditions so that you can have a greater perception. It's not that the stars weren't there. I just wasn't in the create, correct environment to witness the stars. So the yoga is trying to create the, the proper psychic condition so you can witness, 
that you can personally witness a greater reality. See, that's, that's what you're doing. That's what you're doing. You know, the, the, the key is to, is to get next to genuine yogis. Genuine yogis, basically, they don't want anything from you. They, they don't. What they do want is for you to, to sort of have the same joy and the same experience and the same potential that they've had. You know, that, that's, that's what a yogi wants from you. You know, they don't want your body. They don't want your money. They don't want your praise. We don't care. I hate to tell you just flat out. We flat out don't care. Who cares? You know, but, you know, you, you just have a, a, a sense of humanity, which we all do. I mean, the yogi just simply has a sense, of, a heightened sense of humanity, where don't we want everybody fed? Don't we want everybody housed? Don't we want everybody secure in their life? Don't we want everybody to have opportunity? I mean, that's like basic humanity. It's just the yogi has a heightened sense of basic humanity, where, where you make one of the profound pillars of your life the well-being of others. Like most of us, it's like me, you know? We're thinking about me first, and, and, and then we work out from there. You know, me, and then my family, and, and then my friends, and then, you know, my society. The, the yogi, the, they've displaced that, that uh, process. And uh, the sacred is first, and then the well-being via the sacred is, is, is how it manifests. You know, we're which become a conscious element of the sacred, seeking the well-being of all, seeking the harmony and the fulfillment of all. We want all of nature, which is humans and dogs and planet, all of nature to experience its full, uh, his, its full potential. See? Yogis want f complete, whole fullness of everything whether it's nature, or whether it's humans, or whether it's whatever, that's their motivating factor. Goodwill towards all. That is their, their psychic organizing principle. Goodwill towards all. See? Fullness, you know, completion for all. Not sort of a, a, sort of a petty me first and then everything else after. You know, as long as I get mine, then we'll think about the others, maybe. <clears throat> no, no, no. The, the yogi is not like that at all. Not like that at all. The yogi, um, through their profound practice, through their mystic practice, um, through their own internal uh, revelations, comes to the notion uh, of wholeness and sanctity. And then when they open their eyes, they see the fracturedness of the human condition. And now they're experiencing a greater reality, a greater truth of wholeness and, and, and an intimate sanctity. And then they see, you know, the fracturedness in the world. They, they simply become like a physician 
where they have they have they are experiencing wholeness in their heart and their psyche, and they simply want that same wholeness to be more expressed in the outer world. See, so they, you know, if you see someone with a busted leg on the side of the road, don't you go over and give them a hand? I mean. I mean, isn't that like basic humanity? You, you don't think about it. You just do it. And the yogis just like that, you know. You, you open your eyes and you, and you see suffering. You don't think about it. You go over and say, how can I help? It, it, it really is that simple. It really is that fundamental where you, you, you just acquire a, a primary sense of, of humanity, a primary sense of of. Uh, positive engagement, and, 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 and that is your life force. And, and if you ever get deluded or lost, you quietly close your eyes, and then you remember again. You, you remember what wholeness means, what humanity means. And when you open your eyes again, you go right back at it, just like a physician. You go right back at it. You know, you know it, it's, you're experiencing beauty here, you want to experience beauty there. It, 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 I'm telling you, it really is that simple. You know, you discover a profound beauty within you, and you want you want to help generate that profound beauty everywhere. You know, because you, we see how broken up people are, emotionally broken up, psychologically broken up, physically broken up, you know. And then you say, why? And then you can say, you, you, you simply say, what can I do? How can I help? And everybody, as per your talents, as per your ability, you help. There's no a way, one way of helping. There's an infinite ways of helping. You know, as per, as per your capacity. That, that's all heaven asks of you. As per your capacity, you help. You know, it's a big world. There's a lot to do. You know, some can help with a smile, some can help with finances, some can help by being a physician. You know, but we all have to become physicians one way or the other, as per our capacity. You know, that's called karma yoga. See? But that yoga occurs because we've discovered a greater wholeness, a greater fulfillment, a, a greater harmony in ourselves, and then we simply want to help to cultivate that harmony in the, in the external world. And another example, you know, if you see a village uh, starving and you happen to be a farmer, don't you get to digging? Don't you start to dig and plant? You know, you're a farmer and you see the, you see the village, you know, starving. It's sort of a no-brainer that you start to go out and plant your fields. You know, you, you don't think about it. It's just, it's just who you are. You know, no, no farmer farms a field just for himself. He farms the field for the community. So that, that is just their disposition. So in yoga, your disposition becomes that of a healer. Um, you're not per se wanting anything from it. You're simply fulfilling your disposition, you know? It's like trying to suppress a musician. Their, their, their disposition is to create music, you know? Whether it's heard or unheard, they're going to 
they're going to be humming a tune. They're going to be creating. That is their disposition. Yoga is just like that. And so right now, we have a lot of, you know, sort of temporal faux dispositions, uh, meaning this is how I view myself, this is how I express myself in the world. And it's very individualized, and it's, uh, it's also a very... Um, uh, it's, it's, it's fractured, but it's changing all the time, how we see ourselves, how we experience ourselves. It's, oh, the word is volatile. You know, our, our psychic vision of ourselves is very, very volatile. Today I see myself this way. Tomorrow I see myself that way. Someone said something to me. Now I see myself in another way. It, it's changing all the time. You know, the, the, that's, that's a really tough position. The, the beauty of yoga is the moment you straighten your spine, close your eyes, and go within, there's one, you acquire one stable perception of yourself. It's not changing all the time. It's, it's like, so we have all kinds of dialogue, vocal and psychological, and then there's silence. Isn't silence the same no matter where you go on the planet? <laughs> Whether inside or outside, silence is silence is silence. It's, it's a persistent, stable condition, and everything else is volatile. So we learn to go within, and there's a profound silence there, but it's not a dumb silence. You know, it's not inert. There's a living, creative silence that we can that we learn to lean back into, and then to identify as self. See, it's the same all the time. You know, and then from that that creative silence, we open our eyes and then we engage in the world. See. But it's, it's, a, it's a stable platform. If we're working just from our motions and physicality and mentality, it is not a stable platform. So some days I respond to you this way, and the other days I respond to you that way, you know, you know depending on my day or how I felt or what someone said to me. You know, we're always, like, changing. But if we can, if we can get the habit of having a, a stable, internal, internalized place to stand that is constant and, and um, valued and, and sacred. And then we open our eyes and create an expression in the world. Whatever we end up expressing is seated with that same sacred silence, that same sense of wholeness. See, most of the time when we're expressing ourselves, we're expressing ourselves from a condition of being fractured or this is what I'm experiencing in the moment, so this is what I'm saying. But there's, there's no consistent positive seed. What the yoga process is trying to give you is a common place to stand so that you're, no matter what you're doing in the world, it is seeded with sort of that beneficent, silent, positive expression. It, it's that that is always there, see? So however you creatively expressing yourself and creatively moving through the world, there is always a seed of the benef beneficent in you. That's what the yogis are, are, are trying to, so you're all unique. You all have your own creative 
you know, unique expression in the world. You're not a bunch of automatons. But there is a commonality. That's why there's no fighting amongst the saints. There's fighting amongst man. Every saint is totally different. Start reading the biographies. They're totally different. But they all do have a common sanctified experience that, that makes them engage in the world in a sanctified way, even though each of them have a, their own personal expression. See? There are no two saints are the same. They're all different. But they're all coming out of the same sense of, of sanctified wholeness. See? And they're all, one way or the other, trying to be a physician in the world. See? Working with whatever their talents and whatever community and whatever historics are going on at the, at the time. So, you, you want to get to a, a place in your yoga uh, your yoga journey where, where you're a friend to all. The, 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 that sort of becomes part of your, um, your expression, the desire to be a friend to all. You know? And I'm not saying endorse everybody's behavior. I'm not saying endorse the behavior. I'm saying to be a friend to all, to, to, to try to manifest goodwill and positive opportunity to all. See? Just like the sun shines on the sinner and the saint, just the same, giving everybody a positive opportunity, giving light to everybody, not necessarily endorsing this behavior or that behavior, but it, it, it is a persistent energetic in the world that creates opportunity. The sun allows everybody to see warms everybody and the yogi is like that the yogi is not trying to make a judgment on anybody the yogi is attempting to create a positive opportunity for everybody see regardless of who you are where you are what you've done or what you haven't done doesn't make any difference it's trying to create a positive opportunity for everybody see so that's an interesting place to stand you know, can you imagine going through the world without a bunch of judgment? You know, it's just like if I hold up a rose and I tell everybody to, to, to take a scent and smell that rose. Did the rose say, not you, maybe you, okay, you come, 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 quick, come quickly? No, the, the rose is not doing that. The, the rose's scent is available to everybody. That's, that's the yoga process. You know, it's not judging who will sniff and who won't sniff. It's saying, this is my nature. I'm, I hope that it'll lift you. I hope it'll give you a good experience. This is what it is. See? And then they say about the saints, the saints are like a rose that even if you crush them, meaning be, do something bad towards them, they will still offer their fragrance. See? So that's what the yogi wants from, from humanity, is that, that you live like a rose and that, that you offer a positive fragrance. Live like a rose, not like a skunk. <laughs> live like a rose. That's, that's the path of the saints. <laughs> the skunk is a little antisocial. <laughs> Beautiful, but antisocial. <laughs> the rose is open for everybody. <laughs> So, you know, it's important that you, you, you get a sort of an intelligent understanding of what this path of, of, of yoga is. 
you know, unfortunately, because we live in this very, very commercial society, everybody's trying to commodify yoga and make it into a business and make it money and you know, work on exploitation and you know, manipulation. That's, none of that is yoga. None of that is yoga. None of it. You know? Yoga is like fresh air. It's available for everybody. Like the sunlight, available for everybody. It's a universal good. You know, it's, it, it's not meant as a cult or a sect or this, you know, this is the only correct vision. No. You know, yoga is sort of a unified, beneficent, creative expression of the sacred. That's what it is, you know. The, the kingdom has created infinite amount of flowers, infinite amount of beauty. See? Each one is valid. <laughs> See? They're, they're all a manifestation of the kingdom. So you can't say this yoga, that yoga, this way, that way is, is better. It's like saying this flower is better than that flower. Come on, is there any reason to that? Is, is there any intelligence to that? No. You might be attracted to this one more than that one, but they're... The, they both came out of the same reality. They're both expressions of the same reality. They're both equally valid. See? So there's many, many ways of yoga, just like God created many flowers. But they all are made up of the same stuff. They're all an expression, creative expression of a higher reality. See? There's no dumb yoga. You know, there's, there's, matter of fact, nothing is dumb. Matter of fact, everything, one way or the other, is made up of consciousness. It's just consciousness moving at different rates. So like we look at a rock and as a regular human being, we say, oh, that rock is dumb. Mm, not so much from a yogi's point, point of view. It's like saying God created something dumb. Does that really make sense? You know, the infinite cosmic intelligence made something dumb? I don't think so. You know, you know, whatever... Whatever you're creating is a part expression of yourself. You know, if, if you're infinitely luminous, whatever you're creating has some level of luminosity. <laughs> See? Because it's you. Just like if a woman has a baby, isn't the baby part expression of the mother? <laughs> Absolutely. Isn't it made of flesh, bone, and then also spirit? Just like the mother is made of spirit? Of course. Of course. So you, you, you can't create something devoid, completely devoid of yourself. It's not possible. It's not possible. See, so if we have the infinite creative sanctity creating all of this nature, don't you think there's inherent intelligence in it all? Maybe you recognize the intelligence, maybe you don't recognize the intelligence. The process of yoga is when you can acquire deeper and deeper attunement, deeper and deeper awareness, when you start to see that there's creative intelligence in everything and that you go, you go even further, that there is inherent consciousness in everything and that you go further and say everything is a manifestation of consciousness. Okay? Those are the higher uh, awarenesses that you go through. See, and at that point, what do you treat badly? See, what do you malign? 
when you realize that everything came out of sanctity. See? You stop fouling the rivers and fouling the air, you know, and, and, and starting wars with your neighbors. It's, it's pointless. It's useless. See? It, it's, uh, it's unsanctified. And our root is sanctity. So if we're doing some unsanctified behavior, don't you think there'll be inherent turmoil in our consciousness? Because we're doing something against our own nature? <laughs> See? If we're rooted, if, if our fundamental existence is sanctity, the sacred, and we do something counter to that, can you see the ripples of disc discord? It's because we don't have a, a deep conscious sense of sanctity that we fight with our neighbors, that we allow poverty to occur, that we allow hunger to occur, see? That we commoditize everything and try to control it as opposed to having it open and available. For, for the benefit of all, see? It's, it's all lower consciousness, see? Where th those souls doing all that kind of behavior is more divorced from themselves, see? The more divorced from yourself, the more chaos, more, you're projecting what, what's going on in you. So if you're divorced from your sanctity, it's very easy to be divorced from somebody else's sanctity and treat them very poorly. You don't give them proper housing and proper food and proper medical care and proper education and proper opportunity, you know, and, and we're better than them. Give me a break. Come on. Think about it. You know, what human, you know, that baby, that, that French baby and that Spanish baby, come on. Do you think one is less sanctified than the other? Come on. Think about it. They're all beautiful. They're all potential wonders, you know. Love them all, raise them all, feed them all, care for them all. That's the, that's the yogis, you know. That's their heart's expression, their life's expression. It's to see, to see the sanctity of life and, to, and, and just to constantly... Uh, you're, you're engaged in the, in the support of the sanctity of life. That is, that is the yogic journey, see? But it's a profoundly mystical journey because it goes beyond your intellect. See? You, 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 have to, you have to have tremendous courage and you have to have tremendous uh, sense of inquiry. You know, you, you, you have to fundamentally say to yourself, what's going on? What's really going on? Not what my biases are. What's really going on? You know, what is truth? You know, is there truth? See, those are those are sort of radical things. So just to say, okay, I'm going to make part of my living experience to figure out what is truth. You know, what's really going on? See, and that I'm going to use the highest technology available, which is your psyche. <laughs> Remember all the technology that all the machines that you create. Those are just byproduct of your psyche, you know. That it, it's just it's just temporal byproducts of your psyche. Let's say you decide to use the full capacity of of your of your own inner technology. You know, that's a whole that's a revolution. See, and the yogis and the saints and the rishis and the masters just took advantage of their greatest deepest capacity. Thing. We're, we're all going to do it one way or the other. 
you know, you can get dragged through your existence via, you know, evolution, you know, or you can amp up your evolution by using what you got and, and becoming full. You know, evolution is trying to bring you to, to fullness. It's just the, the unbelievably slow means, means of it. But you, you have within your own internal capacity to, to speed up your evolution from snail to rocket ship just by learning to discover what your true capacities are. You know, once you realize that you have these capacities, then you start exercising them. And then you start to manifest a, a different reality because you're, you've, you've come in touch with your capacities. You've learned the sciences, the inner sciences, the esoteric sciences of, of what's available to you. That's all the yogis are trying to give you is, is the science of, of, of what you're capable of. So... This is all part of the, the yogic path, and we start where we are. Wherever you are, that's where you start, you know? And you just, you, you just keep going. You keep going. You, you're going into your fullness. You're going into your, your wholeness. You don't need your mother, your brother, your sister, your friend, your lover to move into your wholeness, see? It's your wholeness. It exists in you. You know, you don't need an add-on in order to get there. See, the yogis are making you profoundly independent. If you want to travel with somebody else, no problem. Whether in another individual or whole crew, no problem. But you don't need them. See, you don't need them. You're doing it out of graciousness, out of lovingness, but not out of necessity. See, you're full, you're whole, Full potential. It's this, you know, somebody, you know, I heard some conversations about uh, about human experience and, you know, ever since people saying, oh, I experienced this kind of loneliness, I experienced that kind of loneliness, which is a really a pervasive experience in the human condition is a sense of loneliness. But it, it, that, that, those conversations you know, sort of knocked me back on my heels. And it was because, you know, I tried to think in my life, I have rarely, rarely, rarely ever had that experience. You know, but I was, I was listening to other people's reality and they're saying, holy mackerel, this has really been devastating to them. And I'm thinking, when did that ever happen to me? You know, this yoga process you don't have that experience. You, you don't have that experience of, of loneliness or like needing somebody else. It, 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 it's, it's, that experience is very divorced from us. You know, the, you, you, you sort of have a sense of creative joy and creative possibility. It's like a scientist who's really working on a project they love. Do they have time to think about loneliness? Is, is, does that come into the, you know, you're, you're so engaged in something that's so interesting and so fulfilling, the notion of loneliness just doesn't occur. It just doesn't come up. It probably exists in the world, I'm sure. You know, but for the yogi, that's a very, very um, uh, uncommon sensation.
almost never almost almost never you know it's from our perspective it's quite peculiar quite peculiar but it's also in amongst humanity it seems to be quite common you know but it, again it shows that we've become divorced from ourselves we're, we're still viewing our experience as fractionalized as we're when you can when you can go inward you, you come to sort of a, a, a sort of your own stable humanity and then when you open your eyes you can see that same stable humanity outside you know you you see the chaos and the nonsense that's going on but beneath that you also see the creative stable sanctity and you feel part of it you know like if i look at nature I feel part of it. I don't, I don't feel it's the other. I, 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 I'm sort of like walking through a field of the expression of God. And, and I know that I'm an expression of God, and, and that tree and the flower and the earth, this, it's all expressions of God. I, I, I'm walking through my own community, you know? But you have to find it here first, be able to, and then you see it there, you know? As opposed to if we're fractionalized here, we, when we open our eyes, we see fractionalized there. But if you're experiencing wholeness here, when you open your eyes, you start to see wholeness there. So you, 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 don't, you don't feel divorced from the, the, the life process. You, you, you just feel like, okay, we're all moving up. We're all moving into the light. It's, it's, it's all okay. You know? It's not that you don't see the nonsense and the corruption and the difficulties, but you don't say that that is the truth. You, you see it as as a relative reality, not the reality. You see it as, as a corruptible, volatile condition, but not as the stable condition. See? When you find a stable condition here, you can see a stable condition there. See? If you're, if you're just volatile here, you'll see volatile there. See? If that's your only reality. So, the yogi wants you to be whole. See? That, 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 so that becomes part of your living reality see that that's that's what we're trying to do you know and I've, I've just from a personal perspective you know my entire life though I've had every kind of struggle that everyone can imagine has been really a wonderful adventure I mean a wild adventure <laughs> you know it's like saying, hey, let's go to Alpha Centauri. Can you imagine all the crazy things you'll experience and all the things, you know, it's, that, that's, that really is the life of a yogi where you're going from one wow to the next wow to the next wow. And you understand all the other dialogues and all the other conversations. But those dialogues and conversations are not based on the type of experiences that you've had, which show you that there is a profound sanctity and it's, it all will turn out okay. There's no fatalism in yoga. It's all going to work out. And, and you know it in the pit of your belly. This may be a disaster, but this is going to work out. You know? So, that's what we're trying to, trying to get you. So, we'll teach you the, the, the relevance and the, and the nature of prayer, the relevance and nature of mantra, the relevance and nature of meditation. And, and write a life of right action and, and, and why that's of, of value. You know, what, what do you want to build? You know, what, what do you want your spiritual legacy to be or what your legacy to be? <coughs> the yogi thinks about that. You know, when I kick the bucket, 
what was my expression? What, what, what was my expression in the world? See? We have to think about that. You know, do we just do, do you want to be a bunch of rubble? Or do you want to leave gardens? The, the yogi's mentality is to always create a garden. That, that's our life expression. Create a garden. You know? And if you're just tumbling through the world, what are you doing? You know, what are you doing? So, are there any thoughts, any questions, you know, that, that, that you may have? You know, my attitude is when you get next to a yogi, always ask, always take the shot. You know, don't think, oh, I don't know, or my question is silly. No. Our job is to be available and, and to try to give you an honest answer. You know, I'll give you my honest answer. It may not be the answer, but I'll give you my honest answer based on my experience. Yes, no, no, please, you're new. Okay. <laughs> I have a question about the um, loneliness. Yes. And um, you're talking about the yogi does not experience loneliness. Yeah, it's very rare. Very rare. I'm just wondering that if you talk to yourself, and you're like, is that still a manifestation of wholeness or loneliness? Or as far as like that craving to have a dialogue, or even if it's, if you're lonely and you get a dog, and you mm -hmm. talk to your dog, mm -hmm. and then you feel whole. Mm -hmm. Or is that, I was just wondering, like, if you have some examples of both. Well, anytime you, you're, you're seeking uh, companionship outside of yourself, you're still in a fractional state. Because whether it's your dog or, or your mother, your friend, they're still living in a fractionalized reality also. So how can something fractionalize off you wholeness? And basically what you're seeking is wholeness. See? So we spend a million years trying to find wholeness in the fractional. Until we get fed up with that and we say I'm done and there's got to be a better way. And that's what leads you into mysticism. When, when you fundamentally get fed up and, and you fundamentally made every, every creative uh, means of finding wholeness in the fractional reality, that you say there's got to be a better way. And at that point, you've gone through the doctors, you've gone through the philosophers, you know, you've gone through the intellectuals, and then you finally end up at, okay, that saint seemed to be happy, what, he's got to, what does he have to say? You know, you know that, that's like a happy guy over there. Let me, let me check him out. And then you go from the saints and you have mystics to the saints to the masters, uh, which are just different gradations of wholeness, see? Because you've tried everything in common humanity. Now you have to start to look towards exceptional humanity. The, the saints are exceptional humanity. The, the, the masters are perfect humanity. So, you know, we, most of the time we all learn by patterning. First we pattern after our parents, and then we pattern after our school teachers, and then we pattern after our friends. Yoga is learning to pattern after the saints. And why do we choose them? Because they seem to be the happiest guys on the planet. See? It, it, whatever they're doing, it's working. You know, mommy and daddy are arguing. My buddy and my sister are fighting. You know, my, my friends are getting divorced, and you know, it's like, oh, Jesus Christ, I'm enough already. You know, he, everyone you love, is, there's an issue. There's an issue. You know, but you've got to say, you know, who's made it work? You know, despite all the vicissitudes and ups and downs of life, who's made it work? 
who, who at the end of the day is happy? See? So you start to study them and, and say, and, and you do it incrementally. You're like, let me take some elements of their life and work it in my life. And then other elements of they're doing, let me work it in my life. And, and it has to become unique and novel in your life, you know? But you, you, have to, you have to run their experiments in your life, see? To, to, to see how you can move towards wholeness. Anytime you're looking outside yourself for wholeness, it'll fail. It'll fail. You can have the husband that you love the whole world. And he has a heart attack tomorrow. Well, come on. Didn't work out. Maybe he loved you 100%. You loved him 100%. He had a heart attack. See, again, it's not going to last. The, the yogi says no matter... Everything in this world is a gradation of drinking salt water. Everything. Now that sounds a little depressive. <laughs> I'm sorry to tell you that. You know, yes, you can put some spice in it and make it take better, but it's still not going to work out. Until you, wholeness must be found perfectly within oneself. See? Th that is the root. You got to track it back. I tried sex. I tried drugs. I tried friends. I tried jobs. You tried all that stuff. It didn't lead to being whole. It didn't lead to perfect happiness. So once you do all that stuff, and you got your favorite pet, it didn't work out. Then you say, you know, what's left? The only thing left is you. You know, at the end of the day, the job didn't work out. The boyfriend didn't work out. You know, travel didn't work out. Sex didn't work out. Okay, let me, let me, the yogis say, sit still, shut my mouth, and pay attention. Okay, I'm going to do that. You know, you come to it once you're tired. You, that's why they call it world-weary. You're just tired. You've done everything everyone told you to do, and you figured it would work out, and it didn't. And finally, out of exhaustion, you come to the mystics and the saints and say, okay. It's sort of like, okay, you, you guys are the last resort, okay? <laughs> you know? They said, be quiet. I'm trying to be creative and vital in the world. They, they're telling you to sit down and be quiet. I'm like, Jesus Christ, okay. I'll, I, got nothing, I got nothing to lose at this point. And then you, then you sit down, and then you, then you start the process of, of true discovery. See? It, it, it becomes an internal adventure. We've been adventuring externally all of our lives. And the mystics and the saints say, make the internal adventure, the internal journey. See, it's, it's completely topsy-turvy than what everybody told you. Everybody told you to have all of your senses flowing out. And now the yogis are telling you, pull all your senses and turn in. Now, whoever told you that before? Nobody. Not even your mother told you that. She told you to get out there. You know, go to college, get a job, get a husband. You know, they... Everything was flowing out. Nobody, not even your mother. Because your mother doesn't know. She's still flowing out. You know? It's only the yogis that tell you, pull all your energies and flow in. You know, take that light that you've been projecting out and turn it inward to see what's going on. They're the only ones that tell you to do that. Everyone says move. The yogi says sit still. Come on. Of course you haven't listened when everybody else told you to move. And the one guy in the corner is telling you to sit still. See? So that's where you are. It, it, but it comes 
when you're when you get tired enough, fed up enough, done enough experiments and realize it hasn't worked. It's been interesting, but it hasn't worked. See? You know, it's like 99% of the humanity does not want to sit still. It doesn't seem natural, you know? But if you want a sense of the greater reality, you'll learn to sit still. And in that wholeness, are you usually always silent? There's, there's, different, there's different methods. Ultimately, you will come to a, a profound creative silence. But that doesn't have to be the way in. You, a way in can be via prayer, which means dialogue with the sacred. It could be uh, mantra, which means the intonation of vibrations that has a sacred effect. Or it could be by various means of meditation. Some are, some are uh, you're looking at, you're, you're creating images. Uh, uh, some are that you're entering a space of profound silence. See, that's more difficult. Usually you need some kind of crutch. Because most people, if you say be silent, that's sort of a tough leap for most people. So usually there's a graduated path in that will lead you to silence. And the moment you start reaching those realms of silence, meaning you're definitely going to start to have various forms of revelation, you know, you start to realize dimensions of reality uh, that you just weren't aware of before. And that's what, sort of what keeps you going because you get a sense of like, holy mackerel, I had no idea that this was going on. I had no idea that these facilities were there. I had no idea that there was actually a visceral sense of the sacred present in me. I just had no idea. And it's because all of our energy was flowing out and not flowing in, you know. So it, there's, a, there's a whole discipline to turning around all of our energetics and to flow in. See? All of our life we've been trained to take all of our energetics and perceptual facility and flow out. See? Do you realize that you can hear music in, in the world, which we all, music and sound. Do, do you realize that it, there, are, there are yogic practices where you slowly enter into silence and you listen in the right, right ear and then all types of mystical sounds that are not manifesting outside are manifesting inside and you can hear them as clearly as you hear your own voice. That's real. That's a whole other dimension of sound. It's called Nada Yoga, the yoga of sacred sound. It's going on right this second, but you can't hear it. Why? Because you haven't turned your attention within. But if you, if you can sit silent and deeply listen within and listen on the right-hand side, in the beginning, you're going to hear something as simple as your heartbeat. And, or the blood coursing through your body. But later on, there's a whole series of sacred sounds that you'll start to hear, that you can hear as clearly as my voice. And those are, are also um, manifestations of the Shakti Kundalini, which means the fundamental energetics in your body. And as those energetics start to rise up, rise up, rise up, you'll have different great gradations of experience. So you have major, major experiences 
of, of great sanctity and great wholeness. You, you can do it. It's just no one taught, no one, one told you about it, and then no one trained you how to do it. See? So it's not that you're not capable, it's that no one handed you the science. You know? If I, if I don't have a wrench, it's pretty hard to fix my car. You know, you need the toolbox. You can't dance, you don't know rhythm. Please. You can't dance if you don't know rhythm. Say again? You can't dance if you don't know rhythm. Exactly. You can't dance if you don't know rhythm. Exactly. So the, the, the yogis are just sort of the depositories of, of sacred methodology and, and also encouragement, you know. Uh, and, and it's when you're, when you're weary enough, when you're tired enough, when you're fed up enough, to say, okay, I'll, I'll try, I'll try <laughs> this experiment. I, I don't say that you have to believe anything. What I do say is run honest, rigorous internal experiments and see for yourself. See, I, I'm, I'm part of that school of, you know, Missouri where, he, prove it. <laughs> From day one, my attitude was prove it. <laughs> that's, I, that's still my attitude. Uh, but, you know, I have run honest, rigorous experiments over long periods of time. And what these saints have say, I have to say, are shockingly so. <laughs> They're telling the truth. It's, it, it's a radical truth to conventional understanding, but it's true. You just have to know how, and you have to get at it. See, We all have that potential. It's just no one gave you the toolbox, and no one encouraged you to do it. You know, your mother, your brother, your sister, your friend, none of them encouraged you to do it. So you are where you are. See, and the yogis just try to maintain a, a type of availability. And then you run your experiments in the context of your lives. You know, you do what you do. But we'll, we always try to encourage you to, to go for it. You know, if, if the basketball lands in your hand, our attitude is take the shot. You know, don't sit on it, don't pass, take the shot, take the shot. So that, that's what we're there for, to, to, to help you take the shot. And don't be shy. You know, move forward and take the shot. <laughs> you know, that's how you learn. You know. So any other thoughts or questions? You had something? Actually, the same thing that you guys just finished discussing. Because I was going to say that two areas. One was alone and aloneness. Aloneness and... Uh, just in terms of examples of from the common world, um, there was somebody who wrote an article in the New York Times. He took a trip as far as he could on a road which he found in the back of a map and went up into Alaska until he got to the uh, Brooks Range as far as the road would go. And he said while he was out there, he finally got to a point where he understood that alone was not the same as lonely. Mm -hmm. And so he was completely off in the woods and by himself. But he said, I was, I was not alone. And so this question of, do I need a village? Well, the point is, uh, I think it's a, an African word, Ubuntu, which means I am because you are. And so, what is the relationship between being alone and needing to be complete and 
being um, and being not alone and knowing and therefore see the village as building or completion. In, in both cases you're dealing with I am as Harry said, I'm I'm the tree. I'm connected with the tree, I'm connected with the other people. It takes a village to if I'm alone, it takes a village to define me. If I'm not alone, then the village is me. And uh, there's a story of Native American who uh, was traveling with a, a cowboy, and the cowboy was saying, you know, um, first day he was out, we want to go down there. And they got that part way down, they were lost. They had no idea where they the village was that they were going to. And so they didn't, the cowboy said, you were lost. And the Indian said, I'm not lost, village lost. Mm. So he's never alone. Mm. Seems to be misplaced and it has to be found. And so as Harry started, when you reflect on um, one of effect on thinking of God every day is is that just take a moment to be silent. Or as Harry said, listen to your ear. Just go to the listening mode. And at first just trying to hear will begin to move you from a moment of silence which is the same as opening to God to becoming the silence mm -hmm. after many years. Mm. Yeah, ultimately, ultimately, you learn that you actually live in the community of the sacred. In the beginning, you don't realize that because your senses have been turned off or turned out, not turned in, you know, and and I wish well I really desire that you have the experiences that I've had. You know that, that's actually my deepest desire. <clears throat> well, because as that happens, you you live in the community of sort of infinite creative sacred. That that that's just what you live in. You know. You don't. You don't live. You, you, there's no sense of of uh, uh, personal isolation. You know. You, you wake up in community. You go to sleep in community. And it, it it's it, you're you're just you're just part of sort of the matrix of, of living sanctity. It, 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 this is a a real experience. And it's just that you have to find your way in, and learn to hold on. See, the world will try to shake you of that. But if you, if you have that habit of constant prayer or mantra or meditation, it keeps you anchored to it. See, the world wants to shake you loose. The world wants you here. Heaven wants you there. And that's the battle. See, that, that is the battle. And you, 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 the, that yoga uh, becomes a lifestyle. Or, or emphasizing the sacred becomes a lifestyle. See? It becomes the vision in which you see the world, or the lens in which you see the world through, as opposed to our fractionalized, personalized vision.
See? So it, it's a different place to stand. See? We want you to stand with the sacred and the whole, not the, the fractalized and the individualized. See? That's a very volatile place to stand. So, of course, it's constant up and down, up and down, up and down. You know? But it, it, it is a craft, it is a method, and it is a can-do. You can do it. And you just, you just start where you are. I have like a micro uh, uh, story that's not direct, but sort of tangential. Years ago, uh, I wanted to plant some flowers. This is sort of, it sounds a little bit weird, but, but it, I'll tell you a, a type of community that, that you can experience. I planted some poppy seeds, which is one of my favorite flowers. I love the, so the vibrant orange of the, the poppy seed. And I sprinkled them out in front of the, the flat that I was living in. I had a little garden out there. And every day I'd go and check on the seeds, you know. And, and finally, like this little thread, little tiny thread of a little sprout came up. And it, it, shows, it sounds so silly. But I would actually go to that little thread and I'd lie down on the ground because it was so small that I had to lie down on the ground to see it. You know, and this little tiny thing. But every day, I went out to that little tiny poppy seed. And normally, you know, a, a, you know, a poppy plant will get, you know, maybe a foot tall and then sort of spread out. Do you know, after a, a, a couple of months, there was actually people driving past my house. <laughs> that little seed, it grew this big and this high. I mean, I, it, was, it, was, it was like mind-blowing. I mean, it, it grew like, I don't know, maybe six feet across and four and a half to five feet high. I mean, and like a million buds. It came out of this one little tiny thread. And it's, but what happened there, and this is sort of like the wild, mystical stuff that happens. I mean, that was not normal. I mean, literally, people were driving past my house because it was sort of like, what? <laughs> to, to see this. And I, I'd stop and talk to people who would drive their car past. Yeah, it, it, it was huge. And like a plethora of flowers. <laughs> and it, it's because... Because I had paid so much attention to it, there was sort of like a simpatico community between me and that plant. It, it was bizarre. It was really bizarre. It was like five feet wide, four and a half to five feet high, and a million... I mean, poppies don't do that. I have poppies out in my front yard over there, but I haven't paid attention to them like I paid attention to that little tiny seed. That's what happens. You know, it's... A relationship happened, you know? And because of that relationship, the mysticism of that relationship, the poppy went crazy. It is precious, it is conscious. Yeah, that, yeah that's one of the teachings that we, we have. All this, is, all this is precious, all this is conscious, all this is God. But because I paid attention, lovingly paid attention, this thing went nuts. I mean, beautifully nuts. And, and, and it was because I entered a relationship with it. 
It wasn't just the other. It was like a friend. And, you know, because of that intimacy that occurred, I've never seen anything like that. But God's honest truth. I've never seen anything like that before. You know? Oh, there is some mysticism uh, with that community Finhorn. The same type of event happened. Uh, Elaine Caddy was her name. And she's over in Scotland. Where they they just had this unimaginable bounty, you know, out of very rough earth. And it is because she created an, an intimacy. And in that intimacy, this gets into a little more sort of technical mysticism, but there's what's called davies, or, or, or like beings of light, but they're conscious. They're, they're, they're just on a slightly different evolutionary pattern. And, and uh, the trees and the flowers, they all have different types of consciousnesses or davies, or, or in the English term, elementals that are, are responsible, they're sort of like the spirit of those plants. And, and if you show them kindness and, and attention, they, they're feeling beings. So they sort of, you know, they sort of gave me like a gift, you know. You know, I, I still can, can see that, the, that poppy in my mind because it was just mind-blowing. And, and literally, people would literally drive past my house because it was so like, how'd that happen? You know, normally the poppies are like this. The poppies were like this and all over. You know, it was, it was unbelievable. And it came from one little tiny thread, you know. So stuff like that starts happening in your life where it, it sort of doesn't make any sense, but it's, it's happening right in front of your face. And it's just like a, another wow. It was like a physical expression of wow, how'd that happen? You know, and, and then as you continue your, your internal life, you, you start to... Uh, you start to physically uh, have experiences where you are not separate from things. That there's all this big flow. You're sort of all in the same river. You know, that's at that point in the river. That's at that point in the river. But you're in this point in the river. But you're all experiencing the river. You're all having a unique experience of the river. But you're all in the river. And, and that's what you start to experience with life is that you're all in the river. But each point is having its own unique experience in the river. But you're all in the river. So you're all wet. But you're having a unique experience in the river. And, and that's what you start to experience. That you realize everyone is having their unique experience, but you're all in the river. You know? So you, you, you just sort of live with sort of a, a, a not an intellectual, you, you, with a visceral sense of community. It's, 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 you feel it. And, and, and so, so you, you acquire that level of, of sensitivity. It's, it's another dimension of sensitivity as opposed to just our sort of intellectual or emotional. It, it's a visceral. So, so now you know how to enjoy your dog. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now you know how to enjoy your dog. Now you know how to enjoy your dog. So. I mean, in, in this yoga life, a million different things happen. You know, I, I can tell you a million different wild yogic stories that don't make any sense you know, in, in normal life. They're all like sort of miraculous stuff. But that's not because I'm unique at all. I'm just like everybody else. 
the only thing that I've done different than you is I've turned all of my, you know, psychic sources that I gather information in the world, I simply turned them around inside to see what's going on and had the patience. That's all, the patience and the concentration to see what's going on when I take the energy and turn it in the other direction. We all, we all have the same facility. No one's stronger or better. That's just not true. It's just who takes the time to, to, to run the experiments. And you'll run the experiments once you get fed up enough. See? As long as ice cream is like totally wonderful, you're not going to run the experiment. <laughs> you know? You know? But when you, when you get to a point where I've been there, done that, didn't work, then you start to do the internal experiments and, and, and you see for yourself. And, and then once you start seeing for yourself, God's honest truth, it, it just becomes like a, a wow, a wow. And it's, it, it, it's exciting. It's really exciting. You know, I started my yoga journey when I was a kid. You know, like 15 years old, I ran into some, some mystics. And I just couldn't understand what the heck they were doing. It, it, did, it didn't make any sense. It went beyond what my concept of science was, that they were healing all these people that should be dying. It's like, what are they doing and how, how is this happening? You know, so, you know, it, it sort of perked my curiosity because what they were doing shouldn't be possible, but it was happening in front of my face. So that, that led me into like, okay, whatever they're doing, I want to figure this out. And so that was interesting and exciting. Until this day, I'm now in my 60s. It's still as interesting and as exciting. I, I'm still on this unbelievable, you know, adventure. It's, 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 I haven't had one second of boredom in over 50 years. I mean, it's, you know, it's like running this scientific experiment. It just keeps getting bigger and, and getting more wow. It, it, you know, sanctity... Or the sacred does not get old. It does not get old. It, it's just bigger wows. Like, holy mackerel, I had no idea that that level of beauty was going on, and I had no idea. You know, I had no idea. So, you know, I, I'm trying to encourage you to, to, to take that journey and to uh, enter into a friendship with you. Uh, and the, the definition that we use as, as yogis, a friendship is someone who supports and celebrates your virtue. So th that's where we stand. Now, I'm not your buddy. I'm, that's not going to happen. But I will be your friend. You know, I will be your friend. You know, uh, your friend is someone who supports and celebrates your virtue. Along those lines, I'll go all the way with you. You know, if you ask me to go play pool with you or tennis, not so much. That's, that's probably not going to happen, you know. But uh, entering this, this journey of, of, of yoga, I'll do whatever I can to help you, without a doubt. As, as so many great souls have helped me. Because you know? I, I actually come at it with a sense of indebtedness. You know, you know Hari didn't, you know, do all this stuff or learn all this stuff, you know, because I was particularly talented or this or that. That's just not true. I was just Joe Guy, you know, who stumbled into exceptional people, you know, and they helped me. They, they went out of their way to give me a hand up. 
And I, I just feel that, you know, that level of kindness and, and uh, you know, just they helped. I, as, a, as part of my life process, I, I just feel that I, that that's, is what I should do also. You know, I'm modeling them, that's all. You know, because they went out of their way to help me. They went out of their way to show me what's really going on. You know? So that, that's, where, that's where we are. You know, that, that's where I stand. So, any other thoughts or questions? I might be going on, I might be going on a little bit too long here. <laughs> but you're, you're all here because of your karmas, yes. I was curious about, during your talk, you were describing the path of service yeah. or karma yoga. But yes. you're also like, talking about being able to do that from a place of maybe stillness or wholeness. Yes. I find that I've been really drawn to service, a path of service, and I have done some inward work and, mm-hmm. and not just tried to act out in the world, but mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think I've achieved that sense of unity or balance that makes it work yeah. a little more harmoniously yeah. compared to yeah. unintended consequences or maybe mm-hmm. draining myself or mm-hmm. those mm-hmm. things. So I guess um, my question would just be about that sense of... of Better unity, I guess, or, or yeah. The, 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 here's here's the thing. Uh, there's 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 two points. One, get next to a yogi <laughs> because it rubs off. You know, our conviction will rub off on you. You know, so that's that's one really really important thing because you become like who you hang out with. You hang out with musicians to become musical. See, hung out with sports guys, you become, you know, a sports guy. You hung out with yogis, you, you, you enter the conscious sacred, you know. So that's one thing, you know, get next to, don't get next to philosoph- yoga philosophers. Get next to yoga practitioners. And not only yoga practitioners, men or women who have some level of accomplishment in it. See, that's who you want to get next to. Uh, then the second thing is read as many biographies of mystics and saints as you can get your hands on. Because they will tell you really what goes on. You know, a lot of times people think, oh, the yogis and the path of mysticism, and they expect, you know, flowers to rain from the heavens and everything is all blissful. That's just a bunch of crap. It's just rubbish. Just nonsense. You have to struggle through this world like every other person. But the difference is, is that if in the path of yoga you have this thread of sanctity that you hold on to, no matter what's going on, see? And you have this body of experiences, uh, no matter how <clears throat> fine or vile the world is treating you, underneath that you have a body of mystic experience that is persistently going on, see? So in this life, you're not, you're not exempt from sorrow. But you have a way through sorrow that's whole, see? You don't get tore up. You still have to go through all the rubbish, but you come out whole as opposed to come out ripped up, which is the most average human being, see? So the, 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 the biographies of all these mystics and saints, it's very interesting because they're, they're just trying to give you the real story of what happened to them. They fell off the mountaintop and broke their head, but somehow they managed to survive. <laughs> you know? Not only did they survive, but they thrived. And, and that's, 
that's what we have to understand. Forget about, oh, the flowers are going to rain on my head and I'm going to live in bliss. That's a bunch of crap. That's just a bunch of rubbish. That's, that's a myth. You know, you, you can, it's more true to say, I went through a pile of rubbish and I came out whole and smiling. And smelling. Huh? And smelling. And smelling like a rose. I went through the garbage dump and I came out a rose. You know, I mean, come on. But that's how it is. That really is how it is. You know, the, the life of a yogi is a very tough life. But you die dancing. You know, you look around and you see all your friends, your mother, your brother, your sister, your friends, you know, and you see, oh my God. They sort of tumble through the world and now they're passing away and they're miserable and they're afraid and they're, they've got all these issues and this. Jesus Christ. You know, and you think, you know, here I am, just like them. I'm, my time is over. But I'm smiling. I'm at peace. And I know that it's been a good ride. You know, me as a priest, I'm around a lot of people who are passing away. I'd say 99% of them die in profound fear, you know, profound regret. You know, they, they, they die very complicated, you know, with a lot of heartache. And I look at it and go, holy mackerel. You know, you, know you, 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 you learn what you don't want. <laughs> you know, you really do when you see all this. You know, do I want to die like that? And you get, a, you get a, in your belly like, no way. So the, the deal is, you die like you lived. If you lived a, a highly fractured life, you die highly fractured. If you, if you live with a deeply fearful life, all kinds of hidden neuroses and hidden fears. You die just like that. See? So here, we're saying, change the pattern. Try to find wholeness and fulfillment and joy inside. Because that's how you're going to die. See? You, you know, you get out of life what you put into life. You know? It just gets condensed down. So... If you, if you learn this pattern of prayer and mantra and meditation that's giving you sort of a, an internal prosperity, <clears throat> that's how you die. You know, there's no need to die with regret and fear. You know, like, I'm going to fall off into this abyss, which so many people, you know, you know I, I've had people say, Hari, I'm terrified. I'm terrified. They, they didn't live with any wholeness. I'm not saying they were bad people. They just lived like regular people. And they didn't, they didn't search for wholeness. They didn't search for any kind of sanctity. They just lived like a regular person, you know, which is full of neurosis and fear. You know? And when you see it, you realize this was so unnecessary. This was so unnecessary. They didn't have to die in the, in the state of psychic suffering. They could have died in a state of wholeness and sanctity. See? Like you have the, the saint uh, Tich Nhat Hanh who's, who's passing. You know? and, and he's using his passing, he's leaving the body, he's over in Vietnam right now, to show people how to die in wholeness. He's a living example of how to die in wholeness. That's his last teaching that he's doing right now. Right now. See? You die like you live. So we're trying to give you a heads up. You, you don't have to tumble into your old age and tumble into your death. 
that you can actually walk into your own wholeness, walk into your own sanctity, maintain your wholeness and maintain your sanctity through all the transitions of life. See? But so I think it's important to note that especially since you guys are young, um, that you don't approach yoga because you're fear of death. Yeah. Approach yoga as the uh, concern about uh, end game. What we'll teach you will include a natural answer to how you approach death at this time. Whether it's falling off a cliff tomorrow or whether it's dying of getting stuff on your body breaking down. Um, so it's not the death, it's the life that you uh, can focus, feel, sure. and live out. Um, One of the thoughts I just kind of flashed. Just, uh, I was just reacting to the sense that, because um, I've heard people talk about yoga as, as they say, you know, you know, being focused on death, and it's and it's not. It's not. Yeah. Yeah, it's not. No, yoga is focused on wholeness and reality. What is reality? what is true wholeness that it's that's what it's about that's what it's about and and the process to your to wholeness the process to your react to to reality the reality not your reality the reality <laughs> so your reality is your own personal perspectives the reality is sort of the science of reality it's, what, it's what's going on regardless of what you think so regardless of what you perceive it's what's going on so that's that's the deal and, and you're, you're all here because one way or the other, you, you, uh, you've, you've desired that. You've desired greater wholeness. Nothing just happens. Something comes from something. <laughs> See, there's nothing that just happens. Everything is coming from something. Somewhere at some time, you've said a conscious or unconscious prayer that you were seeking wholeness, you were seeking clarity. Like, what is the truth? For God's sake, so tell me the truth. Everybody in the room has had that feeling sometime, and that's why you're here. Because it's, it's just nature responding to your own prayer. That's what's going on in the satsang. You know, you're, nature is providing you the opportunity. That's it. It's, it's not making a mandate. It's providing you the opportunity to fulfill a prayer. And it's, it's up to you what you act on. You know, whether you choose to enter a friendship with a yogi or you choose to go, you know, go to the pool. You know, whatever you decide, it's okay. It's okay. You know, you, you come when you come. You go when you go. And it's all okay. But the, the sooner you get on so finding your own deeper self, the sooner you are moving towards your own happiness, your own wholeness, see? Your own, your own true identity, not your volatile identity, see? You're moving towards your stability. Because we have to be honest, your personality is very volatile. It's changing all the times. Someone says, I love you, you're happy. Someone says, I hate you, you're sad. You know, give us a break, you know? You know, we're volatile, man. It's not a good place to be. As opposed to ha having your own sovereignty, 
See, we're not sovereign. You know, every expression we're like reacting to. So we have to find our own sacred sovereignty, a, a place of wholeness that we come, come to. And it's, 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 you don't just get it. You ev- you're evolving. All you're doing is speed. Yoga is you're speeding up your own evolution. That's what you're doing. You're, you're moving into your true sense of self-knowledge. You know, we have a whole lot of faux knowledge of self. You know, it's not real. If it's volatile, it's not really real. See? What's real is what's stable. Yeah. Well, just back to answering your question about death. Yeah. Because death it only teaches us that is why things are finite. Yeah. We know that so that so death will come out of the wash in, in, in fullness. Yeah. And to seek the fullness is better to say life and consciousness. If you are you know, in that state, or to accept and realize death as part of the finite, the <coughs> definition of your own finite. Yeah. So you come to task, like you said at the very beginning, yeah. how do I talk to God? How do I talk to find myself and God, which is infinite? How yeah. do I, what is this wholeness? Yeah. What is this unity? What is this being? What am I? What yeah. am I? Yeah, all these are self-knowledge, true self-knowledge you know, that, that you come to in the process of wholeness. You know, we've been educated that death is something final. That's really ignorant. It's really an ignorant point of view, but it's a pervasive point of view. It's, a, it's an unenlightened point of view. That's like saying, you know, there's an end of energy. Really? Really? Well, where'd it go? Come on, come on, think about it. You know, you know, and consciousness is a form of ultra energy. Did it really go? Come on, maybe did it change forms? Yeah, I can, I can agree with that. But it, was it terminal? Come on, be real about it. No, it didn't go. It made it change forms, but it didn't go anywhere. So we have to, but that's a revelation that you have to come through, and that's an ex, those are experiences that you come to in meditation. In meditation, like, we're all convinced that like this is a dimension. Well, there's also multiple dimensions that you actually get to experience in meditation, you know, that you personally experience. So you, you start to realize this is real, yes, but it's a relative real. It's not the only real. Real is much bigger than what we think. And once you start realizing it's a whole lot bigger than we think, you get a whole lot more comfortable with this. It's like, okay, this is what's happening, but it's not the whole deal. Right now, we think it's the whole deal, so we're like freaked out because we think that's it. Oh, my God. But when you actually go deeper, you realize, holy mackerel, this is just, this is just one level of a whole spectrum of, of, of realities, of dimensions, of activities. And, and, and you have the facility. It's, it's just... You haven't worked the science yet. So, you know, guys like me are here. Okay, sweetheart. You, guys like me and women like me are, are here to, to, to help you to get, uh, get the science and to, and, and to encourage you. You know, keep going. Because you know, sometimes, you know, you're doing various practices that can be like totally boring. 
You know, and like, who's going to say, keep going, keep going, keep going? You know? You know, I've had practices where my master has given me, and it's like, okay, Hari, go to that, go to that mountainside and dig all the way through it. And then he hands me a teaspoon. Like, what are you talking about? How am I going to get through that mountain with this teaspoon? You know, and it's like every day you get up and then you scratch the wall, you know, and you think, I'm never getting through the other side with this teaspoon, you know, g you know give me some dynamite, Gorgie. But one day you get up and you're scratching the wall like you've, you know, wall just like you've done the last, you know, X amount of months or years, and boom, you're on the other side. You had no anticipation, you know, but holy mackerel, there's a whole other vista. And you, you didn't think it was possible to get through the mountain scratching with a teaspoon. Sometimes it's like that, you know. Sometimes you have very wonderful, immediate experiences. Other times, it's like scratching the wall with a teaspoon, thinking, oh, how am I going to get through this? It's not possible. So you just have to have someone that is like, keep going, keep going. You can do this. It's, it can happen, you know. Like, in your mind, it's like, no way is this going to happen. No way. But because of obedience and a friendship, you keep going at it. You need someone to keep saying, Give it a go. Give it a go. I did the same thing. Keep going. Keep going. And then you just sort of keep going. And then you get to see for yourself. The beauty of yoga is that you see for yourself. You don't have to say, oh, Hari said this. It must be so. I'm not interested in you believing that. I'm interested in you running the experiment and seeing for yourself. That way, there's a conviction. See, the elephant's standing on your foot. <laughs> you know? There's no maybe. There's no more maybe. So anyway, that's what I sort of wanted to c convey today. Any, any other closing thoughts, ideas, uh, notions, <laughs> fantasies? <laughs> Alrighty, then what we'll do is uh, we'll, we'll, we'll chant Om, Om again, sit for a few moments in, in peace. And my, my good friend uh, Susan, her spiritual name is Sadna. Sadhana means spiritual practice. That's what it means. You know, and uh, so she'll, she'll leave. Any closing statements for you, uh, Susan? I don't have any. Okay. I'm trying to get her to talk more. <laughs> That's why I ask her stuff like that. You know, she's been with me a long time, 20 plus years or so. I saw Kashuri as a little girl. Yeah, Kashuri came in the door. She was in her mother's arms. <laughs> I did. I saw you know? her as a little girl. Just, she was just a little bundle. <laughs> so anyway. Like the poppy. Huh? Like the poppy. Yeah. That's true, just like the poppy. So it's really interesting. To, it's interesting to see. So anyway, I invite everybody, you know, to enter into a yogic friendship Yogic friendship's not a common friendship, you know. I don't care your race, I don't care your gender, I don't care your sexuality, I don't care any of that stuff. I don't care if you're good, I don't care if you're bad, I don't give a dink. I don't give a dink. I recognize that you're a child of God and you're, you're seeking wholeness. That's it. That, that, that's all that's important here, you know. That's the only thing that I'm interested in. Is, is, is your mystic, sacred heart, and for you to come to a self-awareness of that. That's it. That's the friendship. You know, that is the friendship. Everything else, I don't care. It's, it's, it's sort of, it's like none of my business, you know. <laughs> you can share it if you want, but I don't really care.
you know. So that's the deal. We, we, we want the revelation of our own sacred heart. And then for you to go out and express that in your own unique creative way. Your own unique, not my way, your own unique creative way. That's why God made an infinite amount of flowers, infinite amount of human beings, infinite amount of sacred creativity. That's, that's how I see it. That's how I see it. You know, you're not supposed to be a carbon copy of a teacher. Your own unique, genuine spirituality in the world. Okay? So she's going to lead the own. So again, breathe in. Oh. Oh.